He's going to scout whoever has the best knee-on-knee hits in junior and is going to bring that shit to the NHL like it's 1992. Fuck you, Alf Samuelson. We have breaking news here on this 398th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And the breaking news is this. What is today? 26th? Mm-hmm. 26th of September as Chris and I get together for our weekly tapings of our little program. The breaking news is that they have announced the halftime entertainment at Super Bowl 54 this year doesn't matter, whatever it is. It's in February, first week of February, and I think it's in Miami this year. But they've given us who is going to be the headline, uh, excuse me, the halftime entertainment at the Super Bowl. Drum roll, please. We've got to get a drum roll. J-Lo and Chris has heard of this lady. I have not heard of this lady, but then I'm old and stupid. J-Lo and a lady by the name of Shakira are your headliners at the Super Bowl halftime show for Super Bowl 54 in Miami in early February. Doesn't that make you want to buy a ticket? Well, if it's the Packers and the Patriots, I'm all in. I'd really prefer it to be somebody else. I'd really like it to be a replay of Super Bowl One. I'd really like to see Packers Chiefs is what I'd really like to see. And Chris is smarter than I am. He picked the Packers. The only way it can happen now is if Chris is, Chris is pronat 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 fuck it forget it chris's belief that the green bay packers are going to be in the super bowl is the only way it can happen now as we welcome you again to this 398th episode of unscripted you know i don't care if you're a harvard grad like our esteemed mayor is around here or you are an an orator like a lot of people thought larry king used to be in regard to how well he spoke and with such diction and such precision but there's always words out there i don't care how talented you are there's always words that give you trouble that one gives me trouble and what word were you trying to say there Pro, you know how you pronounce uh, prognosticate that's the word see and that that word i i'm 50 i'll be 55 years old in a month and i still can't say that word and i've broadcast from super bowls from Stanley Cup Finals, from all over the sporting world, and I can't get that word out right. And you know how what I, you know, you know how I sausage up some names sometimes. It's just, um, I'm from very white Wisconsin, you know, Smith, Jones, Jansen. Um, a lot of things to talk about in this 398th episode. Um. We've been talking a lot about the NFL, and I have things to talk about, but I want Chris to comment on this. This just came out as well, and I don't want to spend this whole time talking about the NFL, but I think this is this is kind of, you know, it's just the kind of the world we live in today. The young kicker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, struggled last week. There's no question about it. He's cost them a game already this year, but I think it was more the referees than him, and that's where I'll leave it at that. But there's a guy in Tampa Bay that has taken a ad out in the Tampa Bay in the Tampa Tribune this morning saying that he believes that US women's soccer player Carly Lloyd is the fix to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kicking woes. And if you don't know who Carly Lloyd is, 
She is a soccer player on the U.S. women's national soccer team that won the World Cup this year. Congratulations. A couple weeks ago, she was at Eagles practice, and she kicked a 50-some-yard field goal at Eagles facility, at Eagles practice. And there was a couple guys that have come out and said that they would help me, or they would, they would like to help her, meaning, excuse me, they would like to help her develop her skills. They believe that she could become an NFL kicker. And uh, I just kind of feel bad for the kicker from Tampa Bay, you know, had a bad week, but my God, there have been some kickers that have bad seasons and they don't talk like this. But in this day and age, boy, one bad week and you're just fodder out there in social media. I feel bad for Matt Gay because he did a really, really nice job the first few couple games. And I was thinking he looked fantastic and I didn't think there was any way he'd miss that 34-yard field goal, which should have been a 29-yard field goal that Arians thought his kicker's better from further away. But then he <laughs> barely missed, like from five yards closer, that might have been in that same kick. So I don't really know. But uh, I am all for Carly Lloyd getting a chance to do her thing and, and you know, pursue an NFL career, and that's fine. Or any woman who wants to be a kicker, like, go for it. But I just, I, I mean, it doesn't matter if she ends up being fantastic and playing the NFL, whatever. The rational response to a kicker missing one kick first of all is not to just replace him completely and even if you think it is it's not to replace him with someone with no experience at all there are plenty of kickers out there I'm sure there's some older dudes like who knows Jason Hansen can probably still kick a, a ball pretty well you probably get Morton Anderson out of retirement he could probably kick better than Jan Stenerud yeah like whatever right so I mean that it's a ridiculous response on multiple levels here it's multiple uh, degrees too far i think but yeah nothing against carly lloyd but no, i mean just, no, 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 just no. suggesting anyone anyone with no experience replace an nfl kicker who's looked good and then just missed one kick with a lot of pressure with the game on the line uh just a ridiculous response i understand that tampa bay bucks fans are probably sick of losing i appreciate that but this was a ridiculous response the bucks were up by over three by three scores by 18 points at halftime don't blame the kicker when you don't hold on to that lead no question. Great point. Um, National Hockey League is where I want to go. Um, a lot of things happening. Um, in Calgary, a big a big issue has been the re-signing of restricted free agent, 21-year-old forward Matthew Kachuk, son of Keith, brother of the one that plays in Ottawa. Um and they thought, you know, the dominoes would fall once Mitch Marner signed in Toronto. The feeling was that a lot of these restricted free agents would then ultimately see where the market has been set and go from there. Um, supposedly, if you listen to the Toronto Sports Network here in Canada in regard to TSN, if you listen to those blowhards at all, you know that uh, it has been reported that Marner was offered a annual average value contract of $11 million a year back in June. He turned that down. He ended up signing a couple weeks ago for on an average annual value contract of $10.38 million a year, which isn't too bad to play hockey, let me tell you. Kachuk finally signed on the dotted line with the local losers here yesterday. Kachuk signed on Wednesday with the Flames three years with an average annual value of $7 million. And my wife has been waiting for this. I have been waiting for this, not for the signing of this putz. My wife has been signing 
for the waiting for the signing of this putz, but I have been waiting for the comments of my partner <laughs> and my friend, Mr. Fluke, as to the news that the Flames have finally got this guy's name on a contract and he is going to be playing a wing position for the Flames for the next three years on a contract worth an average annual value of seven million bucks. Well, you know, it's so easy just to just, you know, call the guy a piece of shit, but I'm going to do it anyway, you piece of shit, Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> Who cares? I don't need to waste creativity on you. Are you kidding me? Why would I do that? You don't deserve that kind of brain power that it takes. You know, you're an ugly, freckled, curly-haired loser. Fuck you. I don't care. And there's a, not a better place for you than Calgary where they're never, ever going to win a cup again as long as I live, Mike lives, anyone lives because you suck and you think that Milan Lucic is the answer in 2019 yeah. and you're going to give us a, a you know a top six score and uh you know we are going to give you guys a third round pick you can take that to the bank with that hilarious i love that that uh, whole caveat there that trade that is just brilliant great job to everyone with the oilers for making that trade especially ken holland uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this but uh, i i can't wait to see a guy get paid seven million a year to turtle on the ice after he runs around and talks shit and makes threats and uh, just, just, you know, has his mouth right checks that his ass can't cash. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun the next few years uh, in Calgary, watching Edmonton come to town and push around the little bitch. Well, <laughs> you know, with 397 completed episodes now, I should know better than to take a drink of some of this delicious tea <laughs> before he starts talking about Kachuk, because it's always going to be funny. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Um also making news from the National Hockey League, and this is monumental. I think it's it's great. I I know that I get I get talked about every non, once in a while as being a sexist pig and and a couple other things that I'm not going to mention, even on a podcast. But I am happy to see this. I think it's it's good. I think this lady is very qualified to do this job first and foremost. And what I'm getting at is the Seattle, of course, they haven't named or given this new Seattle NHL team a nickname yet, but the Seattle NHL team, uh, under the tutelage, if you will, of new general manager Ron Francis, the Seattle team has hired Cami Granato as the NHL's first female scout. And if that name is familiar to her, to you, her brother, Tony Granato, former NHL All-Star, winner of Stanley Cup, um, now the head uh, hockey coach at the University of Wisconsin. Cami Granato has won at the highest level of women's hockey, very qualified to do this job. She is a torchbearer, if you will, for women's hockey in the United States. Um, I don't have a problem with this at all. People are going to say, well, Mike hates women and Mike <laughs> does this and Mike, Mike doesn't like women broadcasters. That's my problem. If women want to coach the team, if the women want to be a scout, that's fine. But I have a problem with women broadcasters. That's it. Um, I have no problem with this. I think that Seattle is being forward-thinking, but I think also Seattle realizes that this young lady has some great skills and brings some great credentials to this job. I have no problem with it out there, all you people that think I'm this, that, and the other thing. And if you think I'm this, that, and the other thing, that's a good thing because then you're at least listening to Unscripted. I am, I am uh, congratulating Cami Granato for this. I think this is a great thing for hockey, and I think it's just the beginning of... I mean, all it, 
look at it this way. When Becky Hammond came on as the assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, you're seeing a lot of teams now employ women as assistant coaches, and rightfully so. Same thing here. Cami Granado has the qualifications to do this. This is what, see, everybody's, everybody thinks, and I am, I don't like Cassie Campbell Pasquale or whatever the fuck her name is. I don't like her because of her voice on the television. But she's eminently qualified to potentially work in a front office of an NHL team because of everything that her and, and uh, Haley Wickenheiser and all the rest of those great Canadian uh, uh, women's hockey players have accomplished. I just don't want to listen to them on the radio or the television. I'm being honest, folks. I'm not a pig. I'm just being honest. I think Cammy Granado is going to open the doors for a lot of women to get into this line of work. And I think that she's eminently qualified for it. And I'm happy for her. And I hope she succeeds in this position. I just found out that Cammy Granado is married to Ray Ferraro. Really? Which to me is very interesting because I am confident that Ray Ferraro would not marry an idiot. Uh, Ray Ferraro is about the sharpest uh, analyst in hockey. I love Ray Ferraro. He's really, really smart and really, really sharp and he doesn't miss a beat. And I have full confidence that she would be uh, very, very similar to that here. So I love hearing that. So she's been hired because she's just up the road living in Vancouver is there where they live. And so she gets to focus on uh, scouting in the Vancouver area. She has uh, kids at home. And so she gets to actually kind of be a mom too and still. And And she's pretty close to Seattle. Should she have to go in for a board meeting or something? Yeah, exactly. And of course, Ray travels a lot during the season. So uh, that is just great to hear. Also, I thought we should look at what Ron Francis himself, the GM said, who also is another very sharp individual for sure. And uh, he says, I think what is unique about our organization is we want to think outside the box. We want to think differently. I'm adamant in saying this. I did not hire Cami Granado because she is a female. I hired Cami Granado because of her resume. It's outstanding. Her resume may be the best on that staff, quite frankly. And we know that she can't be the worst hire in Seattle because they hired fucking Alf Samuelson. So fuck him. I hope fucking... I, I want to see a, one of those boxing matches where Cam Neely goes there and they just beats the shit out of you, you moron. Anyway, so it's really disappointing they hired Alf, but at least... What that, did they hire Samuelson to do? Same thing, scouting. Oh, he's a scout too. Yeah, yeah. He's going to scout whoever has the best knee-on-knee hits in junior <laughs> and is going to bring that shit to the NHL like it's 1992. <laughs> Fuck you, Alf Samuelson. Eat shit and die. <laughs> I knew something good was coming. That's why I didn't take a drink of yeah. tea because it, it was coming out my nose. Unbelievable. Um, do you ever also, see? Do you ever see? I'm sorry. No, do you ever no. see where Ty Domi sucker punched the shit out of him? Yes. Never happened to a nicer guy. Just one punched him and just laid him out on his back. Yes. Uh, yeah, our buddy Ryan sent that to me a while back, and it was just beautiful to see again. He brought a certain sense of uh, something to the ice that has been missing since Ty Domi. It's like if, if Matthew Kachuk was six foot six instead of five foot right. two or whatever. Exactly. It was, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. yeah, and had a brain in his head. Yeah. Um, also from the National Hockey League, I need to make this for the Tampa Bay Lightning fans. Um, Chris made me aware that the Lightning have come to an agreement with Braden Point, their fine young player down there for the President's Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and I was surprised that you were surprised that I knew that Point was from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Hmm. 
Good for him. Too bad the Flames can't employ him. Um, he'd help our lineup around here for damn sure. I like this young man. I like his game. I like his temperament. And uh, congratulations for him. And I think you were telling me that it's going to be around the same kind of numbers and length as the Flames just agreed to with Kachuk, correct? It's just under, I guess. Just under? So uh, here's what our Vancouver Bureau Chief Sean Dode said, and we're going to try to have Sean on for episode 400 uh, next week for an NHL preview episode. And uh, Sean says, in hindsight, boy, did the Leafs lose bad on both Matthews and Marner's deals. Yeah. Look how cheap Besser and even Braden Point came in. Uh, Point getting under $7 million AAV shows that both Marner and Matthews should have come in under $9 million each. And I absolutely <laughs> trust Sean's numbers on this. And they got, you know, high tens there. Right. So uh, that's, boy, that's, and, and I agree with that. It, it's it's tough when you get married to guys, mm-hmm. and especially in, in the, under the microscope in a hockey mad in market in Toronto, um, you're going to just get attached to guys so much and just fall in love with them. And so they better produce because they're getting paid uh, very, very highly. I mean, I remember when the lockout finished in 05. Uh, what was the, like, I think when that happened, I think what was the top, the top players were making, what, 7.5, I think? Something and, like and that. And that's not yeah. lo- that long ago. Right. I think that was about the upper ceiling, 7, 7.5 the guys were making. And now you've got guys like Mitch Marner, who's very good, but uh, is he like, is he, I don't think he's, you know, Connor McDavid's level. And he's making 50% more than the highest paid guys 10, 15 years ago. I don't know about that. That seems tough. And especially when there are deals to be had when you're getting Point and Besser for millions less. Mm-hmm. When, they, when you know, they're making basically, uh, well, Marner salary is 50% more than them. Boy, think that's about, risky. Think about now with this contract of, of uh, Leadhead Kachuk signing with the local losers. Kachuk is now the highest paid player. On the Flames team. Yeah, and with, with Milan Lucic right behind right, him. Right, right. You're dedicating that much to those two? Right, yeah. Um, hey, you ever see Dodgeball, the movie with Vincent? I love that movie. Yeah. You know, I when love they, that when, movie. When that, when that uh, hilarious... Uh, Dip, dive, duck. Yeah, I love oh, that No, but the hilarious uh, uh, color commentator... You know, (laughs) Jason Bateman was awesome in that movie. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works out for him. That's what I think whenever the Flames do anything. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works out for them. When they come out in their very first game at the Las Vegas tournament and there was a screw up in the uniforms and they come out in those, I don't know what you call it, S&M or whatever whatever those uniforms are. And uh, then they have the, the, the grandpa and then they, oh my God, that was just... It's a classic movie, I, and uh, you may think whatever, but if you want to laugh, and you need a laugh sometimes, that's one. That's a movie that's always done it for me. Another one that I've always thought was kind of silly, but I laugh at it every time, is Ron Burgundy in good old Anchorman. I love that movie. Do you? And- dumb as hell, but some lines in there are just classic, and they're just so funny. And it's so funny, you know, Ron, Ron Burgundy, which is played by... Uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. He is addicted to his pel- teleprompter. He can't go off that teleprompter mm-hmm. at all. And when they, the uh, the the chick from the Bundys, yeah. uh, uh, Applegate, whatever Christina her name Applegate is, Christina playing Apple- Applegate playing Victoria Corningstone. Right, right. Victoria Cornhold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny because she puts there and she screws with the teleprompter, and you know his 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 line, his closing line was always stay. 
Stay classy, Stay San classy, Diego. San Diego. And when he says, and he's writing, and all of a sudden just, uh, da, 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 and go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> and it's like, he just said it like, oh my God, I just love it. I like when they threw the question mark at the end. <laughs> yeah. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go fuck yourself, San Diego. Um, oh my God, I've gotten off topic. Um, no. Um, um. Speaking okay. of Will Ferrell, I've got, well, I, I'm gonna before I forget, I'm gonna look up uh, Harry Carey Saturday Night Live videos with Will Ferrell as yeah, Harry Carey. I want to see that. It's so ridiculous. I want to see that. I yeah. want to see that. Yeah. We're going to the 14th inning, and I'm out of beer. Um, <laughs> also from uh, Kindergarten Cop, and that's what I call Kyle Dubas now. Not only did he basically get taken to the woodshed in regard to his signing of. Austin Matthews and then Mitch Marner compared to what guys like Kachuk and Braden Point are getting as restricted free agents. He's also got a problem this week with his number one draft pick from a couple years ago, our buddy from Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, I call him the TMZ star, but um, Toronto Maple Leafs Austin Matthews is being charged for disorderly conduct from a May incident in his hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona. I have two questions for Chris here. First, um, obviously the kindergarten cop came out this morning and said he was disappointed in in Matthews and what do you expect him to say? But my my question in regard to this, as we still have not seen the official notice as to whom is going to be wearing the letter C this year for the Maple Leafs. My question is this, now that it's come out, does this hurt Matthews's chance of being the Leafs captain? Boy, that's a really good question, and I'm not sure. I'm going to say no, especially since the news cycle is so fast these days. It changes constantly, and I think people forget about this fairly quickly. And uh, if there's something that's not fairly quickly, it is uh, how fast they're deciding on the captaincy. You'd think they'd, they're they going to do it before the season, but in an era where we have teams not even doing captains because everyone's even... I'd, we might as well have the NHL stop keeping score like yeah. some of these school games. I mean, just because everyone's equal and it's all communism and shit. But I I just don't think he's a good choice as a captain, no matter what. I, I'm not factoring this in. Whatever. I mean, we've all been 22 and drunk and whatever. But Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not concerned about this at all. But just in general, and I've been consistent and I've said this the whole time, I don't think that Austin Matthews is captain material. He's a 40-goal scorer. Great. Awesome. There's a place for that. And I know that the Capitals did win a cup, but I still don't think Ovechkin is a captain to me. I just... He's your best scorer. I don't agree with the with the sentiment that your top scorer should be the captain. I just that I mean if I mean in some cases sure Wayne Gretzky, Connor yeah. McDavid, yeah, sure, absolutely, go for it. Mario Lemieux, yeah, hundred percent. But there are also those mentions, those people that you just mentioned are not only superstars on the ice, but they do things off the ice well, and they exactly. do things within the community too. And I don't see Austin Matthews going to hospitals to visit sick children. I don't see that. And I and, and I use that example because that's what Gretzky's famous for. I think that's what Connor McDavid is famous for. Sid the Kid is famous for. Mario Lemieux was was doing things for the team in the community. And I don't see Matthews doing that for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, I could see him as part of the whole team goes and does something. But I mean, I don't. Yeah, he he just doesn't seem like that. He seems like he's. I, I think he would be very interesting and very different if you got to just hang out with him. Yeah. Like I mean, you can see how, especially in Toronto, he's so careful when he's talking. He tries to kind of dial it down and just kind of 
not do anything. You can see he's really holding back, and I think he's just some, yeah. you know, uh, you know, he's he's not a. He's I not think a he's shy, is what he is. He might be partly that. He just seems like yeah, he's he's not a he's not made to be a celebrity by any means, and you know, in a in a lot of ways, neither would Gretzky or McDavid or some of these guys, but. Yeah, he's just, uh, he's not Captain Material in any way for me. In, well, you know, in, it's any, funny. In any possible way. I was listening to one of our recent episodes on one of my infamous walks, and I really was listening to you, and I really have been thinking hard about this, about the comment, and I now, and I agreed with you before, but now that I've had time to think about it, I don't think there could have been a worse place for Austin Matthews to get drafted to than being a Toronto Maple yeah. Leaf. I think he would prefer somewhere in the States, but I think that he would prefer somewhere where there isn't such a, a limelight or such a focus. I think he'd be much better, obviously, if it was in Arizona. That would be his first choice. Mm-hmm. But I think a southern U.S. city with where hockey isn't the number one game in the country or another number one game in town. I think he'd be perfect in Dallas or, or uh, Nashville with the Predators. Florida, Florida um, more with the Tampa Bay Lightning than the Panthers for the simple fact that I think someday, somehow, the Panthers are going to be in Quebec City, I can only hope. But I just think he wants to avoid the limelight and and picking you up in regard to your comment about he seems to be very guarded with the media in Toronto and such i just think that's where i get the comment i think he's a little bit shy he's so guarded with every word that comes out of his mouth because he's afraid that somebody in media mad toronto is going to call him out on something that he said in his morning presser after practice and uh, that's why i think he would have been better in a different market than Toronto. Oh yeah, it's and it's you know how many guys have come out of Ontario, especially Southern Ontario, uh, dreamed of playing for the Leafs growing up, and you know there's just so many John Tavares, including him, perfect, perfect, as a yeah. perfect example, right? Right. And so it, to, to have some kid from the Arizona desert yeah. go yeah. there, I mean, it was just the worst possible outcome in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and I mean, if he is the captain, he gets interviewed even more, right. and is expected to really be the face and the spokesperson. It doesn't work at all. You can sign him to a long-term contract and play him, you know, in the top line and he can score lots of points and all that's great. Doesn't mean he has to be the captain. I know it's ideal to have the first overall pick come in, play his whole career there and be the chosen boy and and all that, but it I don't think it's right here. I think you should give it to Tavares. I think they'll give it to Matthews. I really do. Uh, I've always I've thought that all along because of that it just seems so poetic and like oh we draft it's like, you know McDavid you draft him first of all you give him the captaincy as soon as you possibly can same with Sid and uh, and you do it that way but I just don't think this was meant to be Tavares should be the captain that would be the right choice. well you know and at the beginning and you can remember you you were sitting right here when I said it and and I at the time I did believe it that for all the reasons being the number one pick and yada 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 and the future and all this other stuff that I believed that there was president obviously in having him carry the sea for the toronto maple leafs but listening to your comments listen to your comments right there thinking about what you said i think obviously they have really thought about this because you would have thought that the maple leafs especially the maple leafs being the maple leafs would have named a captain by now i mean we're what a week 10 days from the start of the freaking season um but i think now you're right i think it's got to be Tavares. Uh, just because I don't think 
Matthews can handle the pressure of being the C in a in a uh, medium market like Toronto. Yeah, I, mean, I think I just it, I don't I think that's too much for him. Yeah, I think it can actually make him worse, which you don't yes. wanna, which you don't want to do. I th- I see someone like even like Connor McDavid is not the biggest extrovert in the world. No, by any by any means, but he is a natural leader at the same time. But I I, I I'm sorry, I don't mean, but I I take it one step further with Mc, with McDavid because I think Connor McDavid has probably been getting interviewed by people in the greater Toronto area since he was probably in the sixth grade mm-hmm. because he was so outstanding and oh, so yeah, head and shoulders. He's trained very well. He's been trained, and he's got great leadership from his parents. We've, no- we've noted that on this program. But I think that Connor, though not comfortable with it, understands it's his role as being one of those pillars. I mean, if you had a Mount Rushmore in Canada of guys that are – going to be on the Mount Rushmore of Canada. Obviously, Gretzky's there, Lemieux's there, a couple others are there, but someday Connor McDavid will be there as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of him knowing his responsibility as one of the torchbearers, if you will, for the National Hockey League. But I think he raises to the occasion, and I just don't see Matthews doing that. They, have, sim- they have similarities in you know on-ice scoring prowess, and uh, being naturally shyer, potentially great hands, yeah, great hands, sure, and all that stuff. But the difference is, I feel like Connor gets better when he's you know relied on, right? And I feel like whether it's purely uh, off the ice or even maybe it could spill into on the ice, I feel like it just Matthews would be a bad choice. And I think that the people that are obviously there's a big internal debate here: the fact that this decision hasn't been made yet should have been mm-hmm. made months ago, like you were alluding to, and the fact that isn't. There's clearly two camps on this, and I think the people that want Matthews to, I think they're just dreaming too much and they're just being too abstract and dreamy about all this. I, I think it's it's wrong, and even though I'm sure that's the way they're going to go, Tavares is the right choice. NBA uh, NBA training camps open on Tuesday around the NBA. October the 1st, and I've got a couple of NBA quick stories before we get out of here on this 398th episode of Unscripted. One that I found very enlightening. One of the big players back, obviously, um, with the free agent frenzy in the NBA, which, of course, the doors opened this year a day earlier. They opened on June the 30th instead of in previous years on July the 1st. What 24 hours difference does it make? I don't know. But one of the big players in free agency this year was obviously the Los Angeles Clippers and their ability to send the draft picks and the players to Oklahoma City to get Paul George. And then you team Paul George up with probably, well, it's not probably, the creme de la creme, the, the, the guy that everybody wanted, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard ends up in the Southland with the Clippers instead of the Lakers. But it was funny when I read this morning there was a story posted in the Los Angeles Times. Um, I'm an old school guy. I still read. It's online, but I still read newspapers. Um, Doc Rivers told the L.A. media recently he actually quit. He was he was uh, originally hired by the Clippers organization in 2012 or 2013, whatever the hell it was. Doesn't matter. Left Boston after winning a championship there. Came out to the left coast to be the coach of the L.A. Clippers. Now, he knew that Donald Sterling was an odd duck. We all now know that Donald Sterling is an odd duck. But supposedly, Rivers actually quit his Clippers job after just six days on the job because of a disagreement over a trade that they had made involving J.J. Redick. There was a three-team deal 
It was involving the Clippers, the Bucks, because J.J. Redick had finished that year out with the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know who the third team is. doesn't matter. But this is why I respect Doc Rivers, and this is why players in the NBA want to play for Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was adamant that he had his word is his bond. And he shook on this deal with his own. He shook the hand of Milwaukee and whoever the third team was. And so in my mind, that tells me that Doc Rivers views his handshake, his word as his bond. And after the deal was consummated, Donald Sterling calls Doc Rivers the next day or two after and says, I don't want to do this deal. I don't like this guy. I, I don't want this trade rescinded. And Doc just went nuts. Doc says, I shook on this. I gave my word. My word is my bond. If you don't allow this or you want this trade rescinded, I quit. Sterling comes back and says, well, you have a five-year contract. And if I void that contract, I'll make sure that you don't work anywhere in the NBA again. That's Sterling threatening Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers basically told him to go screw himself and said, I'll get a job. I'm, I'm universally loved in this league. People like me because I'm honest, I tell the truth, and my word is my bond. But my reason for telling all this and going into this story was simply this. Think how different things would have been in Los Angeles if Doc, Rid Doc Rivers would have quit his job as the LA, at that time, the LA head coach and general manager. I still believe if Doc Rivers wouldn't have been there, Donald Sterling is still the owner, the still racist owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Clippers still suck if Doc Rivers hadn't have taken that job and then ultimately stayed. A lot of people, again, not to sound repetitive, a lot of people in this league, basketball players, want to play for Doc Rivers because of his integrity, and again, his word is his bond. And it just would have been really interesting to see. I think then... Because me especially wanted Kawhi Leonard to end up in L.A., but with the Lakers, not the Clippers. And I think if Doc Rivers isn't the coach or have some affiliation last July, late June, early July, with the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are not members of that basketball team. It's just crazy when anyone ever says that sentence to anyone else. Like, I'll make sure you never work in this industry again. Like, what are you... Donald Sterling, you didn't have that kind of power. In fact, you were clearly more dispensable and easier to get rid of than Doc Rivers. And you were an owner. Yeah. Think about a ridiculous... Yeah. Think about that, right? Yeah, and he no think, kidding. Like, so he thought that the other 29 owners in the league would just, don't hire Doc Rivers, and they're just going to do it? Come on. They would do it in spite of Donald yeah, Sterling. <laughs> they would have, absolutely. But even, even if they liked him, it's like, yeah, Don, sorry, man, but, uh, you know, we're the... Memphis Grizzlies yeah. and Doc wants to come here. We're taking them. We're taking them. Yeah. We can win basketball games yeah. with Doc Rivers. We can't do anything with you. Yeah, it's, that's just, that was just unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know what to say when people uh, have that big a head. Like if you, I don't know, if you owned the NBA or something, maybe like if if you legitimately what? have that power, but even just to say that, you're, you have to be such an asshole to say that in any context. I think the only person that would have that kind of power would be Adam Silver, would it not? It's his league, technically. He represents... But really, and I mean, if, if it was a real asshole, 
who was the commissioner me could they could they say like well again you go back to david stern and he had rescinded that unbelievably trade that would have been great for the los angeles lakers years ago in regard to the then new okay, orleans but there's a difference between vetoing trades well for sure and just saying a no, guy can't work there for no you're I mean, absolutely right if a guy's a rapist then i mean you can say okay uh, i've decided that the league shouldn't have this guy and then the whole league's gonna be like yeah we're not really gonna argue with that yeah but if it's a guy you just don't like him right but he's a great coach and people love him that's true and a commissioner tried to say doc rivers is banned in the media and everything like you i don't know if you could pull that off that's a great point i never mind i didn't think about that that's that's a great point and and i'm glad you made it before we get out of here i do i did laugh really when i saw this this you know this why do we have to know about this i mean that's the question and that's why i laughed at this when the, as I mentioned, the NBA training camps open on Tuesday, October first, and they made a proclamation this morning. I said it right, proclamation. The NBA is to is going to make teams certify with the league, with the league. So they have to do this and then send the list in to the league so they can certify it at Park Place, New York City, NYC. The NBA to make teams certify the real height and age of all of the players in their league. Why do they have to... Wouldn't you think everybody would know the current height, weight, eye color, maybe even sexual preference? Wouldn't they know everything that they need to know about the players that they're overpaying as they employ them to play the game of basketball? I mean, are they afraid that there's a guy that's really 42 in the league? Are they afraid of there's a guy that has less than a one IQ? Are they afraid of a guy that... I, I don't know, but I just... I just found this kind of incredulous in this day and age that we have to make an announcement that the NBA is going to certify the real height and the real ages of all the players on an NBA roster starting next Tuesday. I just find that stupid. What do you, I don't even know what to say. Like I don't it's, know what to say. It, it's, it's just stupid. I mean, I, all it makes me think of is, do you remember that, it must have been 15, 20 years ago, that baseball player, and was it, who was it? Was it Jim Rome or somebody like confronted him with like the birth certificate? Oh and yeah, a, yeah, what was yeah, that all yeah. About? I think wasn't it one of those Cuban guys. Yeah, yeah, that so, jumped in the water and swam over to the United yeah, States. And yeah. I, I. So I mean, but I mean, and if 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 we're talking about little league baseball and you're concerned there's an 18 year old playing or something, <laughs> like then I get it. But there's no age limit in the NBA. If if you're a great player at 57 in the NBA. You're going to get paid and people will hire you. It, there's no age limit there. It's just if you can't play anymore. Like, you know, there, no one's going to look at like, oh, Michael Jordan is prime. Oh, but he's too old. So we, we're not going to hire. Like, no, you're going to fucking hire him. It doesn't matter how old he is. If you can play like that, you're going to hire him and pay him. It doesn't make any sense. And I mean, this just makes, this is one of those things where you like, you would have assumed there was no problem. Like, I would have assumed they would really know their ages yeah. and have seen their birth well, certificates and, yeah. and and it's basketball there's one sport where you know guys heights it's it's in basketball so it, it's one of those things where someone says something and you're like well i wouldn't have questioned it before but now what else do you not know like it doesn't make any sense what about the kid and the little league team you know you have a problem if he has to miss a game because he has jury duty yeah. you know <laughs> you know you yeah. know there's a problem there yeah uh, i just i just found that preposterous that they have to make the announcement that we're going to crack down on this and we're going to make sure that everybody we have the right ages the right height the right everything i mean i just think there's, that should be standard operating procedure there's no 
age minimum or maximum that would give you an advantage? None. None. Like, what are you going to... Okay, if that guy's too young? Well, well wouldn't Jordan, taking that Jordan example, Jordan is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. And if Michael Jordan at now 56, because he's a year older than I am, at 56, if he can still play ball, he could hire himself if it's going to help the Charlotte Hornets. And you'd think Michael would do that because right now the Hornets need all the help they can get. And a 56-year-old Michael Jordan is probably still better than anything currently on the Charlotte Hornets roster right now. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. I believe be, that. It'd be interesting to see. Wouldn't it? Yeah. For one game? For one game. One that, game. That would pack the stands. That's like that baseball discussion we had a while ago about Pete Rose and Stan Musial and all those guys, even in their 70s, could still at least, I think, put bat to ball just because of their eye-hand coordination. They're not running down to first base. We know that. But I think that Pete Rose at 75 could still get bat on ball. I, I would love to see that. I would love to see... A major league pitcher just try to strike out Pete Rose. Like, he right. wouldn't run or anything, but just as an exhibition thing. Right. That's like the All-Star game or something. Absolutely. Sell tickets, make a fortune, yeah. and watch Pete put bat to ball. Mm-hmm. I think he could do that. Mm-hmm. I really do. We've got a run on this 398th episode of Unscripted. Free Forum Friday is next. And uh, always look forward to Free Forum Friday. Um, thank everybody once again for participating in Unscripted. Thank you very much for doing so. Hope that you continue to do so. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.